Just before we get into this pod, I want to say a massive thank you to every single one of you listening right now. And if you've ever listened to any of the other podcasts that I've created along the way to a uh, hundred episodes, which has been an absolutely amazing journey. And uh, I, I couldn't believe that it's got to this point, you know, a hundred episodes when I first started the pod, it it wasn't really in my sights. I didn't think it would get this far. But if you guys haven't checked out the very special 100th episode, the live show that we did at the Astronomer Pub in London, uh, the Fig Fest, as many people dubbed it, you can go over to my YouTube channel and check it out. There's a whole video recorded version. Or of course, if you're listening to the show and you want the only audio version, if you don't want to see our ugly mugs, then you know, not too offended, but check it out as well. It's episode 100. So if you listen to this one, 101, it's just the one before that. Just want to say again, yeah, thank you very much to everyone who has kind of supported me all the way up till this point. Everyone that subscribes, everyone that listens, everyone that sends questions, everyone that, you know, retweets the pod, everyone that likes it, everyone that's left a review. I kind of owe you everything. So thank you guys so much. And here's to the next 100. Welcome back to the Football Index podcast, back again, and this time back, you know, in front of a computer screen and in front of my mic, not at a pub, not live in front of an audience for episode 101 of the show. And thanks again for everyone who came out to support for episode 100. Do check out the show if you haven't done already. But today I'm joined by two debutants, two guys that I've wanted to get on this show who I've been kind of tracking for a while now. Uh, first up, Alex Field, who I thought for all the world was uh, Timu Puki, but it's not. He's just a massive Norwich fan. How are you doing, mate? Good evening. Yeah, very well. Thanks, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A bit tired today. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us about your Football Index journey today? Okay, so I've been on the Index probably just over two years. I joined just before the Zlatan crash, for those of you that have been around. Did you own him? Since that happened. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I was quite lucky because I was watching the game. Um, managed to get out of him pretty quickly, straight into Rashford. And I was hooked pretty much from there, really. I'd only, probably only been on about, uh, I don't know, a fortnight, three weeks, something like that, before it happened. Um, <laughs> it was a turbulent summer, 2017. With um, I didn't really know how to do transfer rumours or anything like that. I must have bought an instant sold about six times over the space of two months but you live and learn and I've come out of it better and then we had obviously the PB thing that happened in August which was a bit of a messy day I don't know how I'm still going really after 2017 that was a tough year but it was a tough year wasn't it yeah once I found my feet and found something that worked for me then that was it really and it's just been onwards and upwards so to speak since really to coin the phrase um, to coin the yeah. phrase we're also joined by moz fi uh, another debutant how are you doing mate i'm good how are you yeah not too bad mate not too bad uh, tell us a bit about your football index journey obviously a trader first but then turned into a bit of a an analytical demon i, I see <laughs> on twitter i basically just joined about six months ago so i'm still a bit of an index baby and <laughs> Just, yeah, just, I looked online at a fixture. I really started trading like IPDs, noticing that a lot of money flew into them at the end of the season. And then at the start, I thought they're going to be quite big. I've seen a lot of talk of it on Twitter. So I thought, let's look at who's got good fixtures coming up and buy into them early. And there was only a Premier League one, I think, that was up there. And then I looked for all the other leagues and I couldn't see any more. So I thought, you know what, create some spreadsheets on that and see how it goes. Everyone seemed to like it. 
You seem to do love a, a spreadsheet. Where's that come from? Do you just like spreadsheets or is that uh, to do with the day job or studying or whatever? Yeah, just through studying really. I've just always been into computers and stuff and it's, do you know what? It's literally been a first time thing, those spreadsheets. Never done anything like it before. Oh, yeah. So okay. they went all right, you know. <laughs> Right. Not done too badly. I think you got a lot of praise on Twitter for your spreadsheets. Uh, yeah, lot, lots of funny questions further down the line. Did you expect them to kind of blow up as quickly as they did? Yeah, definitely not. Not at all. It was like, whoa. Just, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Well Just one day post something out and then uh, don't let your phone for an hour and you got like 150 notifications or whatever. Yeah, I know. I felt like I was like Twitter famous. Or, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well i've been i've been kind of monitoring don't you worry even if i don't follow people or uh you know i'm, I'm always on the hunt for good podcasts so uh, i've brought you two guys together you didn't know each other before but it's good to have you both on the show we'll start off with some miscellaneous questions first from aaron underscore palace and i think this is directed to alex probably how comes you're the only norwich fan not bitter by andy Don- johnson's dive in 2005 so you know hands up i was born in 96 so i was you know a baby at that point do you want to give us a little bit of a backstory as to what happened yeah well 2005 it was um we were rock bottom pretty much all season and uh we played man united at home on a game on sky we had about 13 points in february and we beat them 2-0 and then we just sort of went on a bit of a run which kind of come to a little bit of a halt at sellers park when we were three one up and well, you'll have to YouTube it, but it's a pretty blatant dive, which has caught us out. But I don't really go on about it, or I never really talk about it, because a couple of weeks later, we had Fulham away and lost 6-0. So <laughs> we only needed a point to stay up, and we lost 6-0. We went down. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, something that I don't really like to think about too much that season. It didn't really... We had a couple of high points towards the end, but it was pretty bad season, <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> Moz, do you remember yeah. that, or do you know of that dive? <laughs> I, I actually don't <laughs> I don't know if I'm too young or like that. That was before I mean, me. <laughs> uh, We've done a lot of dives that season, Johnson. He did score a lot of goals. He, and he probably would have been golden for media buzz towards the end of that season, but he was all over the place. He was diving all over the place. But he kept them up and, you know, they got away with it. And that's history, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, th- I can see you've got your Norwich top on. So there's another Norwich question <laughs> here from uh, Breezebot. How good is Mac- Max Ahrens and do you see him at a top six club next summer? He's good. Whether he's top six, don't know yet. It's a bit early to say. We didn't sign a great deal of players and we didn't spend hardly any money. Summer has been pretty well publicised. But what we did do is tie down all of our best players to four or five year contracts. So Aaron's, I think, has contracted till 23 or 24, which probably doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. But who in the top six needs a right back? Not Liverpool. Well, Man City do, don't they? I suppose with all the defenders they've got out at the moment. <laughs> um Liverpool don't need him. United have just signed Wan Bissaka. Chelsea have got the next Mycon coming through, haven't they? James, <laughs> who's about you know, he's he's getting the time. Built like a tank, lately, and, uh, he's back from injury. Yeah, he's, he looks like a decent Spurs player. Is, Spurs is probably the only place I could see him going. But do they spend the money? I don't know. Spurs would be the only team I could see coming in for him realistically. But he's a good player. He'll only get better, and you know he will carry on at the top level. But maybe another year or so after, maybe a couple of seasons with us, hopefully. Yeah, definitely one to watch. He was really heavily linked with Arsenal, uh, the club that I support, you know, earlier in the summer for, for random reasons, even though we clearly needed, you know, centre-backs. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting young player. Maybe he stays at Norwich until he breaks into the England squad, even though England seem to be really blessed with 
right backs at the moment with Trent yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know Joe Gomez can play there. Reese James, uh, even you know Trippier still at Atletico Madrid. Trippier, who, Walker, Walker yeah. of course, yeah. So uh, that's a tough position to try and break into. Uh, uh, moving on to uh, Moz from Chris here he asked a sensible question but then he also said is that a naked woman in your profile picture I've wanted to know for ages and I do look at that profile picture and I'm like it's just a cliff you wouldn't think a guy with a cliff as his profile picture would be producing such extraordinary analytical <laughs> content on the timeline yeah yeah it's, it's really not it's just it was just like a first holiday picture just something that like we just seen as we were going past, we spotted a little beach and we just chilled on it for the day and it was a really good day, but definitely not a naked, not a naked woman, <laughs> definitely not. Well, you can never change that now, can you, ever? Like, it's got <laughs> yeah, to go down in folklore. You're not tempted to kind of cater to your newfound fame with some sort of like Moz, you know, like logo or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Just, I'm just happy with it as it is. You know? If anyone out there is listening, is decent at Photoshop. Do some sort of like Moz logo <laughs> oh, and then like no. some sort of like cartoon naked woman as well. Like maybe recreate the <laughs> the cliff, but like you know, cartoon version with a naked woman and then like some the sort of Moz logo. Woman. Naked woman spreadsheet, man, it'll be. Mate, when That's you get to like 10,000 followers, people are going to be like, what on earth is this bloke doing with a <laughs> naked woman in his uh, in his profile picture? But um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a funny one. Thought I'd have to in- include that. But before we get into the questions, this week's podcast is sponsored by uh, Football Index Trader, uh, the player scouting and market analysis service, which I reviewed on my channel, channel a few weeks ago, did a review of football index trader so uh, yeah well worth checking out for detailed player scouting market analysis and strategy guidance as well as two free blog posts every week so that's footballindextrader.co.uk if you guys are interested in finding out more do you guys like uh, football index traders stuff uh yeah i'm not a member for content but i do read and occasionally comment on the um articles he puts out i find them relatively useful obviously it's all opinion based but it's useful it's useful Um, I just don't think I'm at the stage really where I want someone to dictate what trades I do and don't make. I'm happy enough doing what I do, but he's useful, um, especially for new guys. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Uh, well, we'll move on to the questions here. FI Headhunter, who seems to have three or four every time or post pod questions, but they're always good questions, luckily. Uh, why do you think the market has barely moved since the start of the month? Um, I guess this sub- subjective thing, depending on who you're holding, but I guess... <laughs> He's technically or factually correct because the footy has decreased for a few days throughout September. Can't always go up, can we, Moz? It's true. Can't always go up. It feels like it has been lately, though, especially for like myself. I'm not really in many of the big boys. So for me, it's been really steady growth. I've not had a down day in the whole of September. I can't remember the last down day I had. And it's really just been smooth sailing for me. Hmm. Do you think there's cause for concern for people like who are seeing a bit of red now, probably for the first time in a while? Yeah, definitely. I remember my first time in red, I was having a heart attack. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like what? You can lose money on this. Like what is happening? Why am I losing money? How do I change my strategy? I was like in full panic mode. But now I've, like, I've been ups and downs and you know, you just get used to it, don't you? Over time, I guess I reckon used to it, definitely more used to it than me. You're like, it's, it's going to come back up. There's no worries at all. Yeah, I'd say the market's definitely moving. It's just certain different areas are moving to what we've been used to over the summer. Um, you know, a lot of the, the premium holds rose well ahead of the split and then they've sort of levelled out because I think there's probably been a lack of returns to the top end rather outside of Neymar and Pogba. You know, like the Canes, the Sellers, the Rashfords even, 
Uh, Hazard, obviously, moving to Real Madrid, his media appears to have dried up a bit. I think it's just that there's not that many divs being won by, you know, the players between sort of three and five pounds. People are seeing players rise by 20, 30, 40 P, you know, just for putting in a slightly above average PB score on Saturday <laughs> lunchtime, Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it's it's just a case of finding those guys that are going to do it. I think it's a, a mixture of a lot of things, right? There's obviously a lack of patience because the PB matrix has just changed. Those premium guys, if they weren't or I think any players that are kind of PB or dividend based if they don't return straight away after that's changed then I guess it's kind of normal to see a a down spike or some reds throughout the market yeah yeah a lot of the newcomers they're coming on aren't they like in Rashford your Pogba's they're coming on buying them and then they're like oh they should be making me money why aren't I getting the returns like why haven't they won and then they're seeing some 150 player or some 40p player in it and they're like hang on who who else is going to win it why aren't I winning it and then just flowing money down in it into the market it just keeps coming down and down yeah there's, there's such a high concentration at the, the top end um you know you had sort of what 15 10 15 20 players between 10 and 25 quid which you know that money weren't never going to stay there for a long long period of time it's you know people are going to take the money and move somewhere else when there's a new kind of trend to get on which when the matrix changed it's created a whole new sort of landscape for everyone to research to work on and to find new players like there's a lot of sort of been quite vocal on twitter there's quite a lot of attacking midfielders creative midfielders that have risen a lot recently which i never held before but since the start of the season after that first game and you saw a couple of them fly well you know i had to get a few so that's the thing like with the matrix change and i think that's that's also had an effect on it because these are all sort of new times for everyone really aren't they like yeah, the table has been flipped. I think I said that on a couple of podcasts ago or, you know, close to the time the Matrix actually changed. You know, FI flipped the table. The, the value of players completely changed as soon as they changed that Matrix. But I want to hear your guys' perspectives on, for me, sometimes when the market's going up, it's great because everyone's winning. And when there's red days on the footy, unless people are withdrawing, I kind of presume or guessing that a lot of what's going on is probably you know some sales and then holding big cash balances to get on players that are rising and those who have kind of like you know a strong narrative behind them so to speak but these can be really profitable times when money is shifting from you know one bracket of the index to another rather than just a whole market growth i know that's the ideal but these reallocations of so quote-unquote wealth are also really good for opportunities for traders yeah, definitely. I think as well, you've got, I mean, there's a lot of new accounts on Twitter that I'm following and have been following me. And I can see a lot of people have now sort of a year ago who had sort of four or 500 followers are now up to 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000. And um, there's a couple that are sort of pushing this short trader, this short-term trader technique of buy, you know, the Sunday night, the Monday morning when we traditionally see the dips and sell before the weekend or sell before the game you just have to find a strategy that works for you because long term a lot of players you can make money doing that and you know a lot of people who have a lot of time to spare are for me that doesn't really fit into my lifestyle because i have to work at times (laughs) um but it's their own if that's working for them then fair dues i think there's a lot of people that are coming on now thinking like hang on i can sort of buy this player and if he doesn't do anything I'll just move it up at the weekend if he doesn't score well because Sunday's another day and there'll be someone else who flies Sunday, won't there? So 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about how like there's been a big marketing push from FI, so they've appealed to a lot of gamblers doing it in between the football adverts. So a lot of the gamblers that are coming on, they're looking for the quick returns, like you know the type of acrobats that can make them these big returns, and they're not really seeing it. And then they come on FI Twitter and they're like, oh, everyone's like, oh, these short-term strategies, short-term strategies, I'm making this much, I'm making this much. Everyone's like, they're just seeing how much everyone's making through short-term. They're like, oh, you know what? I could do that. And then they're just throwing in the money straight away. And if the player doesn't return anything, it's like, oh, I'll just sell them. I'm only taking a three quid loss, a £10 loss, and then I'll just make it back on someone else. So, I mean, good gains can be made for them, but it's just, it's more risky and a lot of the people won't understand it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I sort of changed my strategy. Last summer, sort of just after the World Cup, I, I found that I had about, I had a port of about 30, 40 players, something like that. And I thought, mm, I'm sort of missing players because I can't be on there 24-7. I'm you know, not always on there in the evenings or the weekends all the time. Yeah. So I thought oh, I'll spread it out a bit. And I tried to focus on just one area of the market, which was forwards. Because you know, on single game days in particular, you perhaps only get six or seven forwards that are playing instead of 25, 30, 40 midfielders or defenders that are playing. So um, I spread the money out a bit more. Uh, ended up with about 80 or 90 pretty much just strikers and then um, got off to a pretty decent start and then obviously the IPD thing was announced in October and it's been huge for me since but it's just a case like for me of kind of deciding when to get out of the players because when you get around to the Champions League time in February the knockout stage of the Champions League time in February March time there's some brutal drops on those nights absolutely brutal drops and um it happened again this year, March, April time. There were some huge drops on some top players and they got to the end of April and I was sort of looking through all the forwards again who I'd kind of got rid of ahead of the summer because they weren't, you know, any in play dividends. They weren't going to return nothing. You know, I was picking up Jekko for like 30p and like players like that who they're just going to get goals and people are going to buy them when they get two or three goals in a game, which inevitably someone like that is going to, you know, there'll be a game where he's playing bottom of the league and he does get a couple of goals and he sees a spike. So that worked for me and... That's how I tend to trade. Really, like I'm, I'm a lot more long term rather than buying someone who I, I'm, you know, I plan to sell before the lunchtime kickoff. So but it's each to their own. You have to just make the market work for you. I, I always say that as well. You make the market work how it works for you. You know how best for you. I don't want to be checking my phone every ten minutes just to see whether or not someone's talked down my player or talked up my player or you know. So it's each to their own. Like I say, I'm more of a long termer. I think. It's all very time dependent and it's like, as you say, you have a job and that, so it'd be more hard for you to constantly be active on it. But for people who have a lot more time, it's going to be much more, in a way, beneficial to them if they have more time to put the research in and they can be more active and can be checking it constantly to trade in and out of players. So yeah, if definitely. someone does have a lot more time, it is a good way to make money. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important to find a style that suits your own kind of lifestyle and needs. And I've gone from being at uni to not having a job to having a job to like the fixed stuff ramping up and having less time. I've been able to kind of like change my strategy to suit my needs at at those points in my life. And I'm sure loads of traders that have been on for a while have kind of had to adapt considering what they're doing in their daily life because there's only 24 hours in a day, isn't there? Yeah, it's true. Definitely Uh, like... For me at the minute, I've just recently sold a bunch of my players because it's come to the date where I'm happy with the profits, with the fixtures, I've analysed it and I'm like, right, I take money out of them and now I'm looking at players to put that money back into. But I'm like, oh, I'm not seeing many players that I'm liking in terms of IPDs and good fixtures. So now I've got a large chunk of my portfolio in my cash balance. Yeah, it's ready. It's going to benefit me because I can react to something quickly and hop on a player for a quick game. But 
I am missing out then if other play- people are making gains like these 10 20% on players. I've just got it sat in my cash balance, whereas I could be making those gains on them. So you do miss out on some, but it does have its benefits, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the important thing to realise, though, is that you can't get on every single rise, which I think is something to consider. And also for you new traders who are seeing kind of like that FOMO, those big rises and being like, crap, why am I not on them? It happens to all of us. We can't get on every single rise unless you have, you know, unlimited cash, right? Yeah. (laughs) If only. If, uh, <laughs> the FOMO though it kicks in so hard like I was there like oh I've missed the boat on Sancho and then he keeps rising he keeps rising he keeps rising oh, I've missed it on Madison he keeps rising he keeps rising it's just a case of you know have you actually missed the boat or not it's a, it seems to be an ever-growing product at the moment so a lot of the players you will pick will just keep rising mm. uh, Mark Clemson has a question here where and when do you see dividends increasing Uh, top end really struggling and need a rise to match day dividends in my opinion also it's a shame that anyone over say two pounds is not considered any good for in play dividends when they are all the players that we all love to watch are football index somehow missing a trick with this so a dividend increase personally I don't think we're going to see one until maybe next summer at the earliest um Unless there's a birthday treat on the way, but I don't know. I, I'm not expecting it. It would be nice if we could just get those treble days to 6p again and the double days to 4p, but they seem to not want to do that for some reason. But they, we did get a handsome dividend increase in springtime, so we can't be too negative about that. I would expect next summer for the dividend increase, really. As for the top end struggling, we sort of touched on that a little bit earlier on. The Players between two pound over two pound. I would say most of the players that are over two pound are either already really good PB holds, or they have some sort of media appeal to them already. So you already, if you're buying those players, you're buying those players for a certain dividend anyway. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, yeah, or potential dividends. Yeah, as a lot of people like to say. Yeah, uh, Moz, what are your thoughts? Dividend increase? No dividend increase? Oof. What? I mean. I'd be open to it, definitely. And I think that when it does happen, I've so much money, it's going to be... I don't know if it'll be like the share split again with the amount of money flowing into the big guys. Everyone's like, oh my God, everyone will overreact as they always do like money in, money in. And it's just going to... Everyone's going to keep buying in because other people are buying in and they're rising and it's just going to be a knock-on effect. But when do I see them increasing? I can't see it happening for a while, honestly, because a lot of the top like dividend earners are still going to earn you like 10 20 percent and that's much better than a savings account i think people like really need to zoom out and look at the bigger picture we can't all be like too greedy like oh why aren't i getting 100 percent returns a year and capital appreciation on this player like 20 percent is still a lot compared to like your regular savings mm, mm, definitely and i think I wouldn't be surprised for it to be done during the Euros. And that's not because I think the market needs one, but I think it could be a really powerful marketing tool for FI. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Um, I'd expect there's going to be some sort of Euros announcement like we saw with the World Cup in 2018 when they come out springtime, March, April, outline the plans for the summer. And yeah, that would be a great time to do it because... There's going to be so much hype. The hype's already started for the Euros, really, hasn't it? I think if you scroll the timeline, there's a lot of people already, you know, anyone who's... (laughs) If you recommend a player, then you own that player. And if you recommend a player, you're effectively pumping. Whether or not you're obviously pumping or whether you're subconsciously pumping, you're pumping one way or another. So, you know, everyone's going to start putting in Euros, whether it's someone who plays for Kosovo who might sneak in via a playoff or something, or whether it's someone who plays for Kosovo a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but... The Euros is going to be huge and it's going to be with the amount of 
active social users we have now, the Euros is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Yeah. And when you say, you know, I think I've missed the boat on certain players at certain times. We're five games into the season in a you know a fifty or sixty game season. I think I saw you tweet you that, didn't I? Yeah. I think I saw yeah. you tweet that today. Some of these PB guys that have risen a lot, they have risen a lot, but yeah. they've risen a lot based on the thoughts that they might actually do this much. Oh dear, Haaland's just scored his second. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, yeah, yeah. By the end, if you're listening, we are doing this during the Champions League games, which are obviously, you know, this is what we sacrifice for. This is what we're sacrificing. <laughs> what was I saying? Bloody hell, the, probably the index erupts. Um, <laughs> so I was talking about missing yeah, the boat. Bit. See, maybe you haven't missed the boat on Haaland, for example. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, I think you're right, though. Some of these PB players, they've only played five games. People are buying them based on what they can do for the next 45. So yeah. I think it's really interesting to see some of these guys are going to do really well at the start. And then kind of plateau, um, like, you know, I think we saw Fakir uh, last season and the season before, and a few other players who started really well PB-wise were hyped as these kind of PB monsters, but then didn't really do much later on in the season. And that's when they started getting sold off for the summer, for all the transfers, etc. So I think there's going to be opportunities to buy some of these guys late down the season or just at other points when they maybe have good fixtures as Moz will attest to or uh, you know some sort of uh, transfer or uh, before 2pm big score there's going to be loads of opportunities to buy these guys yeah definitely something to note with them as well though is like a lot of the players at the beginning now have posted good PB scores like in a couple of the games a lot of people are buying into them but they're not going to post these PB scores in every single game and when they don't everyone who's bought and they're just you could see yourself off with the amount of short-term trading in and out of players there could be some, you know, good opportunities to buy in if you or top up if you're already on them, I guess, when they have these drops. If, I guess. <laughs> if. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say they're going to have drops, do I? Like it. <laughs> it's definitely not too late. You, you haven't missed any boats, I don't think, yet. Especially because some of these, like, we're looking at this and some of these youngsters, they're not going to go up forever. Some of them will do a Gabriel Barbosa. So there might be opportunities, not two months, not six months, but like 12 months down the line where there's kind of unfavoured youngsters that haven't done as well. I think we saw, you know, Berardi started this season really well. That guy was coveted as like the next big thing at one point mm. didn't really do as well and then he's getting to that kind of 23 4 age where you've got to start delivering and he kind of has started doing it so there's kind of even a longer approach or view that you can take of some of these players that there will be opportunities to buy them at some point yeah Barati <laughs> I see I'm sure he got sent off at the end of last season and I didn't bother buying back into him because I thought he was suspended for the first like two or three games he banged a hat-trick in the first game of the season didn't he I think I was like ah oh. the only striker you didn't have yeah. scored a hat-trick yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the point that I like from Mark here are FI missing a trick with this I think for me in play dividends they're very much the gateway drug and I don't think FI they don't not care about them but I don't think they care if they make money off them directly and I don't think they can actually look at that from an accountant's perspective like how do you even judge if people are buying for IPDs or not they just want it to stimulate the market and they want it to be a big marketing pool for people and that kind of gateway drug to the rest of the index which is you know PB, MB, the more solid foundations of a, of a player's value and also um, the capital appreciation, the trading in and out of players so what, what do you guys think? Do you think 
did they should be in, increased? Uh, do you think they should be where they are? I mean, I, I'm seeing people buying Lewandowski, who's nearly two pounds for IBD. So are we too far away from that anyway? Yeah, good point. It's, yeah, I saw someone tweet that and I managed to market sell my Lewandowski's to buy back in again on Saturday at the head of the fixtures. Somebody tweeted he had seven or eight fixtures, something like that, including some games for Poland. So it worked out all right for me. He scored as well Saturday night. It worked out all right for me. So, um, yeah, there, there definitely is still growth in those players. And someone like that, Bayern, you would expect they're going to make it to the quarterfinals maybe semi-finals depending on the draw of the Champions League so you've not just got that you've then got the triple game days later on in the year as well for the PB but I don't really see how FI can do anything to stimulate a specific area of the market for IPDs other than increasing the IPDs but this I still think they're pretty generous they're very if generous for IPDs if you're buying for IPDs you're not really buying for IPDs for the 2p that you're going to get off two <laughs> goals you're buying off the 20p rise that you're going to get yeah. if the guy scores two goals. who was the center back that scored a couple goals the other day I was looking at him I was like he started at 20p he could yeah. return four pence which is you know a fifth of his price 20 percent. that's yeah. crazy so they are really good value for some prices and as you mentioned if you don't actually hold them for the return, then uh, there's the big dividend return as a percentage. Yeah, with regards to the centre-back rise, and he's, so he's earned effectively 4p in IPDs. The spread, I think, at the time was about 4 which kind of negates that. But I think the IPDs are still huge, huge value, especially there's still plenty of strikers. I, I harp on about strikers because I hold strikers, but there's still <laughs> plenty of players that are IPD-friendly. There's plenty of midfielders, attacking midfielders capable of scoring a goal or assisting a goal that are still priced between 40, 60, 70p around that sort of region. And yeah, there, there's still a hell of a lot of value in the payouts available. So I don't see them going out of their way to increase that. Yeah, IPD payout payouts at the minute, they're massive. If anyone's asking for them to be increased, they're just being a bit, a bit greedy there. <laughs> if you already hold that player, like you've bought him in anticipation of the game or you bought him because you think he's a good player, if he's like 50p and he scores you've already made a good return and then he's going to rise anyway because people are buying into players that score if it's a game where less games are being played as well it's going to rise like what 10 20 percent and you've just made so much you can choose to sell if you want or hold for the other fixtures but the gains that can be made they're very real i think as well with the um a lot of the people who are promoting these players that are sort of seen as shorter term holds maybe or who are advertising how many games they've got coming up in a set period these players appear to be being held for a bit longer, I think, as well. We don't see as big a midnight sell-offs as what we used to see. So I checked in on the defender on Monday morning. I didn't buy him on Sunday, despite looking at him at 22p after the first goal or 23p. And, um, you know, whoever would have thought he would have got another one. But, um, <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, exactly. Mental, isn't it? But I think I went to bed and he was 36, 37p. I woke up and he was still 34p. Whereas maybe... Six months, a year ago, he had been back down to 22, 23p with everybody panic selling at midnight. So I think there is a lot of worth in the IPDs and there's a lot more capital appreciation in them as well now. Yeah, definitely. I think um, they've obviously been a welcome addition to the index and a big market stimulator. Speaking of those kind of midnight drops, though, Alex, Paul Anthony has a question here. How do you both react if you see a small drop in your portfolio after a Sunday? Recently, we've been seeing 0.5% drops on a Monday morning, and it can be concerning to some newer traders. Uh, I try not to really look at my port on a Monday morning. <laughs> I check sort of the decrease lists and just see if there's any anyone that stands out as someone who's suffered a drop for you know no real apparent reason other than that they didn't score against bottom of the league at the weekend but 
if I if I have got funds available, then it it'll be a case of topping up anyone who I think has dropped, um, or you know recycling the shares that I've got in someone in order to make them eligible for IPD again. Really, that's my main way of dealing with it. Having had these IPDs for nearly a year now, it's such a trend now. You check almost any player's seven day graph on a Friday and it's pretty much an upward curve most of the time unless they're obviously not playing or injured or something. But the trends are fairly obvious now as to where to put the money really, I think. Yeah, I think as well a lot with a lot of the more experienced traders like yourself, like you know when the drop comes just to top up, you're not worried and you're like, like me, myself at the beginning, if there was a drop, I'd be more likely to panic sell and just worry and be like, are they going to rise again? But with experience, with time, you're just looking like, oh, well, they've had a like a drop. If they've had a bigger drop than what they were at the start of the day or a few days before, you can be like, other people have seen them panic sold so I can jump on at a cheaper price and it just rises again steady when they have some more fixtures throughout the week. It's quite a good way to make money topping up when they're down. Yeah. If you do find you have someone who hasn't scored and or they've even if they've got injured and they've got a drop or something, um, if you've bought the right player and you've put the, the hours in, which a lot of people appear to be doing a lot more now, and check the stats and check the fixtures and things like that, you just got to wait for him to come back. Yeah. If it's a decent enough player, chances are the majority of the time there'll be a game where they score. You know they do get the couple of goals and you've just got to wait for him to come back. If you're like the first one to see that injury, though, you can be the first one, like one of the first to sell and you can get out without the ridiculous like 15p spread that will get put on. It can be beneficial for you to get out of them if you're in profit, yeah, if you're one of the first to see. If not, then it's best sometimes just to hold and wait for the rise. It'll take time whenever they're back, but it's usually an overreaction to an injury nowadays yeah. and then they just rise it, steadily. Injured players then, yeah, I, I try to get out of them if it looks like it's something serious, someone being carrying on a, tre- on a stretcher. Get out of them. ASAP, regardless of what the the kind of drop is going to be. Oh God, Hallen's just, just scored again! Them. Oh my oh God, my. it's four pound by the end of the video. Oh dear, <laughs> he is getting the full timeline treatment tonight. Oh isn't he? dear, that's going to be all over there. Oh dear. Jeez. Oh my word. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, is he? Yeah, bloody hell, that's that's <laughs> madness. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> yeah, so usually if I get the chance to, you know, if there is an injury and you've got to get out of a player, just get out of them because you can get into the replacement who is pretty much almost guaranteed to rise anyway. Yeah, I've learned so much about football in other countries over the last couple of years being <laughs> on, on the index that I didn't know anything about before. You know, perhaps I used to watch a bit of the Italian football when it was on Channel 4 on a Sunday afternoon at 2pm, but you just kind of know who the backup player is going to be almost instantly when you see someone carried off after you've been doing this for a couple of months. So just either, unless you've got someone else on your watch list who you want, buying the backup player for the players that's got injured more often than not works out pretty well. Yeah, definitely. You can cover any losses you usually get. Another big thing is the like the opportunity cost. Ask yourself, well, if they're back in like six months, you know, do I just bite the bullet and take the loss? Or ask yourself even, so could a market sell them? Because usually a lot of people, when they get injured, they buy in, don't they? Like, mm. buy on the dips. So you could even get out market selling and put the money into the guy that's going to return or just weigh up the opportunity cost, honestly. See if it's worth selling or not. Yeah. Nice. Some really, really good tips there, guys. Uh, I've been writing them down. I hope you guys have. Uh, <laughs> got Next question here from Chris. Uh, top guess, Moz, your spreadsheets have become legendary in recent months. <laughs> the data you provide suggests you trade players who have favourable fixtures or single game days upcoming. Do you tend to hold through these periods or sell prior to them when demand is high? And why, if you do? 
well, it's literally it's only been like a couple of months since the season's been on, so it's still new to me. But at the minute, what I've been doing is buying in anticipation of the good fixtures when I notice it, like a good couple months before, and then just watching the players steadily rise up until it. And then I've got a spreadsheet and I have a review date because I've got I've got the time to do this, so I've got a review date on every single one of the players in my portfolio. On, for example, on the last good fixture they have, so that I can review on that date to be like, oh. Do I want to keep the player now? Do I want to sell the player? Is it worth holding them? Each case will be different, but it's definitely... I usually hold them until the last good fixture. And if they have another single day coming up after it, soon or another good set of fixtures, I tend to hold them still and just top up for IPDs when they dip. But each case will be different. I like that. Um, I tend to try and keep a date of everyone who I purchase. I don't keep track too much of fixtures because I have a lot of players in the port but I try to record what date I've bought them on and then try and notice when I'm sort of getting to within five seven days of the shares running out of the 30-day window the ones that I want to trade in anyway that I want to trade regularly in and then it's just a case of either topping them up and listing the old ones or you know it depends where the players go and if, if it's a player that's not going to feature on the international break you know you have to be aware of that sort of thing as well yeah so keeping records, keeping logs. I don't really use a spreadsheet too much, but I do a little bit here and there to record bits and bobs. But yeah, the more you can keep written down, there's so much to remember with FI, isn't there? Yeah. The more you can keep written down, like the better organised you are, I think the more profit you'll make. It's that simple, really. Yeah, more peace of mind as well, because if you're just worrying like, oh, I've I've missed the time when I wanted to sell this player, if you had a, like, if you thought of a sale date and didn't note it down or something, it'll just make you a bit paranoid in the end, like, oh, keep checking, keep checking, keep checking when you don't need to. On top of it, like, it's quite important to, like, sell when the demand is high. So usually on the last good fixture day, you can list them up for market sell. And if they score, they're definitely most likely going to sell unless unless someone has, like, their 10,000 shares listed. They're <laughs> most likely going to sell on that day. You'll be sweet to market sell them if they score. Even if they don't score, people are going to buy because, you know, they're, if, if they're, like, a high GNA score, high goal and assist getting player, then people are going to buy into that player for that day. So usually all right to market sell on the last good fix today, but it'll be different for everyone depending on when the share expire, if they've got anything else good coming up, if they've been on good form, just there's a few things to take into account when deciding. Alex, any thoughts here? It depends. It's getting trickier. I didn't really want to get onto spreads too much, but it's getting trickier <laughs> with some of the uh, spreads down the lower end of the market with... Oh, yeah with um some of the players that are still sort of sub 50 60 70p yeah. they're making it harder which i'm not really too sure why but it's quite frustrating when there's a you know you've you've bought a player slimani for example i bought into slimani when he moved to monaco i thought oh, i'll give him a chance he was 35p something like that 35 40p and i gave him a chance and he still had like a 4p spread at, even at that price i thought well i'm taking my chances here if he hits the ground running you know, I'll be able to get around the spread by market selling him and he'll be a bit popular. Yeah, That one kind of did work out, but there's a couple of players that I've got sort of sub 50p that have, you know, four or five piece spreads. It's very tricky to get around, but it's just a case of waiting really for me, for them to, that player to perform if I, if I agree with it. I understand that's not everyone's strategy and not everyone will sit on a player like that and wait for them to perform, but usually... That's kind of what I do, keep checking the fixtures, topping up here and there if I can to make them still eligible for the IPDs and hopefully when they perform I can get rid of the old shares. But as well, I was thinking about this a bit more the other night when um, I was trying to get rid of someone and you're watching the, the goals go in and you know that player's not IPD eligible 
but he might win you the performance buzz and you think, oh, if I sell him to market to buy back to get the IPDs, I'm going to lose the performance buzz. <laughs> so it's a bit of a skill to get right, and I don't get it right all the time, no way. But, yeah, it's uh, IPDs, I think, once you've had that initial 30-day period, if you can get on them again and manage to market, sell your shares and get back on the player afterwards, then they're very lucrative but it's a difficult skill to master yeah that's the thing as well like if you have the time you can like look at the spreadsheet and be like oh they've got a good set of fixtures here so if i buy around here when they have harder fixtures people are going to be selling off then so i can buy in then and then they'll rise into the easier fixtures and then people are going to sell off after the easy fixtures who've bought in for them so then after that if you see they've got another good set of fixtures coming up in the next two months you could buy and then again when they drop it's just Another thing to add about that, like the spreads, <laughs> it's getting trickier and trickier to trade like down lower in the market as they change the spreads. It's quite frustrating because you buy a player with the assumption that you can get out as the other 2p spread. Then when you go to get out the other 5, 6p spread, you're like, oh, ugh, am I making it? Is it worth it anymore? Do I try and market? So it's, it really makes it tough. I can understand why they do it as a lot of newer traders who are buying to a player for IPDs if someone's short-term trading, they're going to sell off that playoff when they get the capital appreciation game when the player scores. So these newer traders will get burnt because they're going to be making a loss on the player, then they're going to sell them, and it's like a knock-on effect. More people sell because they're scared of the drop. So I can understand the biggest spreads being put on these IPD players because of to prevent like a much more short-term trading. But I don't know. It's got its pros and its cons, really. Probably better for new traders, worse for people trading in and out of it. Is it good for the, like, the longevity of the product? Maybe, but it's preventing putting people off trading. Like you've been seeing along the timeline now, people are saying, oh, I don't like it because they're changing my cash out option. Like, which, yeah, they have they completely have the right to do, but it's putting a lot of people off. And you see them, you see people saying they're taking money out because of it. Are they? I don't know, but <laughs> is it just. You know, is it people overreacting? But it's. I do want to pick up on that point, though, Moz, because I think it's important. Putting people off isn't good, right? Yeah, and I know definitely. FI have got their own risk to protect, but there are loads of people that have just called to, for them to trial like spreads as close as they can for like a week and and see how it goes. The thing is, if a player has been pumped pretty relentlessly for the week, why should FI buy those shares back when they know? You know, there's going to be a queue of, especially with it taking so many shares to move a player by a penny. So if a player, you know, why should they buy back 10,000 shares? Hmm. They don't have no liberty to do that, do they? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, why should it be on them? If they're going to do that, if they know that a player's going up because he's got a single game day, then, yeah, whack a 10% spread on there. But they're the market maker, right? They're providing the liquidity. So if they buy back at a certain price, they're buying back for cheaper than they sold. And then that money that's given back to the trader, unless it's withdrawn, it's not really a bad thing for FI, right? It goes into another player, they either issue another bet or um, there's some more commission for them because someone sold another player when they buy them, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think just comparing it to like a general, uh, a normal high street bookmaker. Yeah. If Man United, are, okay, maybe football is not the best example, but if a horse is racing and a, a particularly bigger punter puts, say, 50 grand on a horse to win, they slash the odds. So is that any different to a footballer being specifically pumped for a game day? I'm not so sure really that it it's is from point. FI's point of view. 
I don't know. That's just something that I just thought of. I'm not sure. There's a point in there somewhere, but I'm not 100% sure what it is. <laughs> I kind of get what you're saying, where they are a betting company and a bookie would act in the same way. But that's the point, right? Like, the bookies, like, betting change. That's FI's whole strapline. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be comparing FI to what Bet365 or what Betfair do, right? No, maybe not, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, 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 we'll see. Uh, we've got another question here from, uh, unless you wanted to say something, Moz, on top of that. No, 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 go for it. No, no, go for it. You're just smiling because the ne- next question is for you again. From Aaron Palace, how much time does it take you to produce the free content you do with the fixture list and what percentage of your port is influenced by upcoming fixtures? So I think you've answered the second half. Why don't you give yeah. us a little uh, summary of how long it takes you to do them? Honestly, the first one, because it was like the just getting it all right, making it look nice. It was just going to be for me at first, but then I thought, you know what, it might be used to other people, so I put it out there and everyone seemed to love it. But it honestly took about five, six hours with like taking some breaks in between because entering all the sing- the digits, checking which fixtures they have, <laughs> making sure it's the right team they're playing, entering all the single digits is so tedious. It's like, it's so boring and takes so long. Just, ugh. It's not the funniest thing to do when you're doing it, but it's nice to know that other people are making money off it and I am it's just it's good that it helps everyone I guess and yeah my port is influenced by a large bit of my port now is influenced by it but as I start uni again and other I have other things taking priority might change definitely (laughs) well uh I think everyone salutes you for for all the hard work that you've put in so far the Exiled Robin FI, using Moz's spreadsheets and investing in players has been excellent for me in the last six weeks, but now I'm stuck with many players out of the in-play dividends period. Do you have active trade-out dates as well as buy-ins? Any thoughts on best timing to try and sell in these periods if you do? So I think you've answered that already a little <laughs> bit, but uh, why don't you go into a bit of explanation why those players don't have to be eligible for IPDs to actually make them valuable so to speak because if there's other people willing to come in and buy those players they they can still go up and you can still sell them yeah definitely the ipds most of the time for me it's just seen as a bonus as as alex said earlier you're trading mainly for the capital appreciation on the player the player is going to rise if they score if they're involved in that game they're going to rise or if they have a good goal and assist record they're going to rise going into easier games so even if you your players expire for the ipd period if they have good fixtures coming up or hold them or top up on them when they dip, you know, they're going to rise again if they continue to perform well. But like when they do, I've had a few of mine run out of the IPD period and I didn't top up on them, but I was more than happy just to sit back and keep letting them gain like just keep watching them rise happily. And then before that last fix, John, make sure you have a review date on when you think, oh, this player might start to drop now. I mean, everyone will be different. You might be happy to hold the player for two months, three months and just keep watching them gain. But it'll be very dependent on form because if they've had a recent big rise and they're all over the timeline, you've got to take that into account and be like, okay, they've been pumped up a lot. They're going to drop soon if they don't perform and especially if they don't perform in an easy game, you're just going to see them. Like Mertens, for example, I'm sure he went up to like one something, 120, 125 or something and then he didn't start the game the... What game was it? Was it a international San game? San Marino game, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. didn't start. He was on the bench and the timeline just went into meltdown. It was right yeah. everywhere and he dropped. And then I'm sure, did he come on and score in like the 60th yeah, minute yeah, or something? Yeah. So there's a lot of ups and downs. Like, but I stayed in him. I'm still in anticipation of his fixtures. I got in like two months ago now, like right near the beginning. And I've just been watching him rise ever since. But he is one that 
will go up or down depending on if he plays well or not. And I think that's just another point on the IPDs. I think the um, bringing in the IPDs for the Euro qualifiers was a masterstroke, really, because it now adds so many more games um, for so many more players, basically. And when you've got Belgium playing San Marino, all right, that one wasn't really the goal fest that people expected. <laughs> but, you know, there will be games where there are six, seven, eight goals in a game against some of these part-timers. And it's, if you're on the right players, then it's going to be huge for you. Well, before we move on, and, and luckily Haaland's gone for some water break at half time during the games, I think, even though it's you know coming up to nine o'clock. So unfortunately, they'll start again if there's any more interruptions. I just need to plug index game quickly. So I mentioned in a couple of previous episodes that they've got a uh, player fixture analysis report where you can find out who has the easiest fixtures in the next 30, 60 or even 90 days. So if you're a, a fiend for those IPDs, and I think we've done a bit of a deep dive today with uh, Moz and Alex, then uh, it's definitely having a, a, a worth having having a look at some of their tools uh, you can use fig 2020 for 50 percent off your first month so that's fig 2020 over on indexgain.co.uk check them out uh, some great tools there do either of you uh, use index gain either of the tools or the community yeah definitely i use index gains just as an easy way to see the in-play dividends that they've got on there as you can filter it by any team click on it and it'll show you which player scored them and got them earned the most ipds from that team last year so it's a really quick way for me to be like oh this team's got a good set of fixtures go and look at napoli arsenal anyone and then be like oh this player earned them a lot of ipds last season <laughs> i could use that word the sentiment there'll be sentiment with this player as they rise <laughs> into the next game it's quite good and then Oh yeah, I created my fixture spreadsheets and then I did it before index gain and then they did it. But then like, <laughs> yeah, they just they copied me, they copied me. <laughs> no, I did it before them and then someone would comment on me post like after index gain did it, it was like, why did you waste your time doing this index gain? Did it for you? I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Kicking the teeth there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, I, I use index gain as well. It's a great little tool. I don't really chat on there anymore since they took away the general chat i don't know where everyone hangs out these days in there there's so many different rooms for so many different parts of the the index really um just for my own personal research really it's it's brilliant you know looking at the scores for players for the teams anything that you can think of the documents they bought out with the data from last season with the new pb matrix it's priceless really like um i've seen huge capital appreciation off the back of getting on some of those players early doors um yeah they're top boys the bishop is it the guy who runs it yeah bishop and, and dca those are the, the two guys um, very clever guys yeah, yeah yeah they've they've built something really great yeah i mean they've done really well hats off to them even though they copied moz joking <laughs> 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 or moz copied them i don't know whoever it is <laughs> Uh, get copyright <laughs> yeah 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 no but I'm, I'm honestly like i think they've probably inspired people like you to create the content that you do which is really yeah. helpful for people on twitter and they've been kind of the a focal point of, of creating a really great community they've been really good for fi so uh yeah hats off to them fi headhunter since the matrix change which positions do you think now offer the best pb yield so moving away from ipds to pb now uh goalkeepers attacking fullbacks defensive fullbacks centre-backs defensive mids attacking mids second strikers Breathe traditional forwards <laughs> or any other. So uh, he's pretty much <laughs> listed every single uh, position there. What would you guys think? Where have you seen the greatest growth for you know in in terms of positions? So funny enough, as we're talking about index gain, they I saw they tweeted Starman wins by position yesterday. Defenders have three Starman wins, two single days, one double day, 
attackers have, I think, six starman wins, which was one single, four double, and one treble. Midfielders have 16 starman wins. So, you know, following on from the data that was released, a lot of those players that the Index Game Boys released based on last year's data, last year's um, performances and the, the scores that they got on the uh, Buzz Matrix last year, updated to this year's terms, it's huge. It's huge. They're winning pretty much that category on their own over half the time. And it's not necessarily one specific area of midfield, albeit maybe it is skewed towards creative midfielders, attacking midfielders, um, set-piece-taking midfielders. But you've also seen wingers that are winning Starman on PB days with a goal and an assist or a couple of goals or something. So the midfield area is an area that I've been pushing a lot of my portfolio into recently just because it's well it's more fun as well when you're watching your player and his scores rocketing up at half time yeah and other people are seeing that and you know we've seen some huge rises on some midfielders this season like Sabias he went up what 40 or 50p that game against Burnley I think in the end he I don't know what he ended up on that day it was 230 240 it wasn't even like a a great score in the end because I think he got subbed or something. I, I can't remember anyway of that game. You'll probably remember that better than I can. I think on that day he absolutely rocketed and it just set the tone for De Bruyne. Then I think he played like that. He hit nearly three hundred and that area has been pretty huge for me over the last month. I, I would definitely say the midfield is the most entertaining and the most creative, not creative, but the most um, room for growth in that. And we're seeing a lot of players even now that are just being sort of found out that they're on the set pieces for the club this season that are still priced. Maybe they're not still priced that low now, but they were 30, 40p a couple of weeks ago. And they've now had their rise up to 60 or 70p, but they'll keep going when eventually, you know, a couple of them are going to win a treble day. They'll get their goal. They'll win their treble day and people, they're, they're going to be up to a pound in no time. Yeah. That, that begs the question though, doesn't it? Like it's, how many wins was it? 16 for Starman for midfield? 16 Starman That's... I've got here for midfield out of what? 27, I think, or 25. Wow dominated by midfield that begs the question does it need to be changed again already like well, I, well to I be fair there's, right, but... there's more midfielders than any other position right oh, oh yeah that's oh. actually a really good point but do you think it needs to be tweaked more i'm quite happy with the way it's going at the minute but if they were to tweak it i don't think it should be anytime soon it is still very early so no, a lot could change at an absolute minimum it has to be like this until the beginning of next season, you think? Yeah, they, they can't go changing it. Are you happy because, like me, you've bought a load of midfielders? <laughs> <laughs> I was on Jordan, Sensi, Brozovic, got all those nice sizes. It's yeah. a good point, though, because I think I mentioned recently, I was on the betting pod. Um, if you guys want to check that out, it's one of the biggest uh, gambling podcasts out there. I was really happy to be on talking about FI. And uh, I was talking about how the Matrix made it more likely that the likes of KDB and Ozil, the guys who create maybe, you know, Ozil and his pomp, uh, creating chances and assisting players are more likely to win PB. And those have been the main beneficiaries for me, not only the attacking midfielders, those kind of second strikers, the playmakers, but also uh, fullbacks that kind of create chances quite regularly as well have done quite well yeah. those attacking fullbacks the crosses they seem to be worth a fair bit yeah someone like if you got a fullback an attacking fullback that can get forward score assist is on corners Ugh, they're going to be racking up some crazy scores this season yeah I, I, they are but I don't think we've seen too many personally I haven't seen too many that are other than the obvious sort of ones who are already you know sort of three pound plus your Kimmiches and yeah. Alexander Arnold and stuff like that for me, 
the uh, defender market is so tricky because you just don't know who's going to get a goal. Like, you know, we saw the guy get two goals at the weekend, the centre-back get two goals at the weekend. Yeah. And, but he's 20p and I just think, oh, I can't be doing with this guy beating my £3 <laughs> Kimmich or whatever. That's why, you know, I got out of them when I did really because it's just so unpredictable. But like you say, there are takeaways you can get from it in that, if you check the stats but personally i haven't really found anyone who is still cheap although you know people will be happy to prove me wrong that there are so there's a problem with that though as well like it brings even if you're paying for these like three pound or higher premium players the position changes i mean if you're banking on someone like a forward and they get changed from forward to midfield or a defender and they get changed from a defender to midfield it can really affect the price can't it carnage yeah. carnage <laughs> as we saw really with um Kimmich in yeah. the summer when the outcry you know outrage when um he was changed to a midfielder for what a week or a day or something i think it was in the end wasn't it (laughs) it's kind of tough with a player like him though that that plays in midfield and then right back like with fi i sympathize slightly and i sympathize with opta who are the guys who kind of generate these positions what's the threshold like what do you class him as if he plays 60 percent of his games at right back and 40 percent in midfield is like he's not really either is he for that season it's quite tough and i think you know, if you're an FI trader and you own Kimmich, you know that he's potentially going to change depending on what position he plays. So I think that's now a risk that you have to take. And yeah. uh, you just got to have to see where his position lies in the in the long term future. Other people will say, well, you know, I'm just going to hold him because in a year or so, I think he's going to be in this position or that position. And I, st- I still think he's going to be the best player in that position or whatever. So I think we are hurt obviously by these short-term changes that really affect our bets but in the long term some of them don't really matter that much I think it was uh, Yusuf Atal that we saw dropped like 15p the other day for going yeah. uh, was it back to a midfielder yeah. uh, from a defender and I was like yeah yeah that's you know it's a strange drop but I kind of understood it for a little bit but then you see him bounce back straight away so clearly people didn't care that much did they I mean yeah. I think there's obviously an overreaction at the start people pick up some of those you know some will call them bargains or or risky buys but i think it's something that fi need to sort out alongside you know ipos and the spreads i don't know that's arguable whether or not they need to sort them out but ipos for sure and and then the next one would probably be positional changes for me yeah yeah just another thing i don't know if you know the answer your question the um some wingers are down as midfielders yeah some wingers are down as forwards do you know what determines whether they class as a mid or a forward? I have no idea, but if I'm guessing, and please, if you're listening and you're, you're listening to me ramble on and it's completely incorrect, I would assume that Opta look at kind of heat maps for players and look at where they're most likely going to be, like if they're actually in that kind of middle quadrant or the upper quadrant. So I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, why is Fakir and Defielder and Insigne a forward? Like, I don't really know. I've not yeah. really seen him play in midfield um too often for either as like a second forward or as most midfield wise as a number 10 but i don't know i have no idea actually moz i don't know do you know why they do that <laughs> do you know what? i honestly it's a confusing one they need to get it right don't they like because people you're essentially like betting on something and then they're changing your bet and they're not notifying you of it there needs to be some sort of communication on it I really, I mean, I've seen a couple of people suggest some good methods out there. They really just need to focus on it and get it sorted before the products. It, yeah, it is massive, but before it gets like mega massive and competes with these betting companies, because it's, when it gets bigger, if they keep making these same problems, then it's not going to continue to get bigger, really, is it? Mm, mm. What about 
IPOs. I don't think we've got any questions about them, but I've mentioned them, so I've kind of opened that can of worms. Alex, what are your thoughts? I don't really get involved in IPOs because I'm at work and don't. I just don't have the time to. I can't skive for two hours for a two-hour window between <laughs> ten and twelve to um, wait for someone to come on. Um, from an outsider's perspective, sort of looking in, they seem to have found the most recent way that they've done it albeit I don't think they were particularly popular players that came on from a lot of newly promoted sides, seems to have been the most sort of popular and commonly accepted way of doing IPOs that they've tried over the last couple of months. Um, Putting times just doesn't seem to be, you know, people aren't happy with that if there's a time slot that they come on. People aren't happy if they come on at two in the morning unless you've got toddlers or (laughs) newborn babies. So randomly telling you they're going to come on within a week you know, within a window of the week seems at the moment the fairest way, but it'll be interesting to see if they do that when they IPO some of these Barcelona kids that are coming through or, <laughs> you know. That's... So I, I don't know. I, I don't, like I say, I don't really dabble in the IPOs. I've, I just get burnt too often on them now. I, I don't think that there are bots that hoover them up or anything like that. I think there's some people that have very good broadband connection <laughs> and very quick fingers. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been burnt too many times on them. I, I, when I, it was my first experience with IPOs when they brought like Kubo out and I put a tweet out saying you know it's my first experience I'm just going to sit back and watch it's a smart thing to do and then it, on that morning I had a cash balance and I thought you know what I'll just have a look and I managed to get on like Kubo at like £1.10 or something when I seen him and bought like 600 of him and I made like, like 300 quid instantly on him and I was like okay like I, I like this but then obviously they changed it and I'm like right I see the sense in why they have and it should be done this way like it's not good that a lot of people will get burned at a really like kind of feasible solution is the way they've done it now and I think in other markets the way they do it is you know I like allowed to initially just like cash out on IPOs and sell them it is a smart way it will make people shy away from them so they don't have as crazy rises because your money might be tied up for a week a month however long on it but the way they're doing it at the minute is good for as you said for some of these Barcelona youngsters <laughs> and stuff coming in oh wow it's gonna be a riot all over the timeline and just everywhere <laughs> people won't get on people will get on uh, I don't know if they're gonna just have to say like it'll be released sometime in this month <laughs> and like it'll yeah. IPO at like six pounds or something. <laughs> still at nine pounds but... at some point in 2019. <laughs> yeah, 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 that'll be the one. The <laughs> thing is, though, even if they do IPO the the, the fatty guy, at, um, you know, two pound fifty, three pound. Yeah, people are still gonna buy him. Yeah, yeah, yes, certainly. People will buy him. Yeah, like the thing is, like with. I do sort of empathise with the fact that some IPO prices are very high, almost ridiculous really, I suppose. It's probably fair to say. But there is something to be said for owning a player with a high IPO price because there's very little risk that – if there's little ownership, then there's very little risk. But it just depends whether or not that that money is good value in a new IPO at £1.50 or is it better value in someone who got IPO'd at 10p but is still at £1.50. Mm. Um, it just depends on your appetite for the risk and how much you rate the player. What What are your thoughts on this notion that I think Sam Friedman, I don't know if you guys listened to episode 100 and ASP previously, they both alluded to this idea of having like a football manager style ba- database where like every single player is available when they probably um, choose to IPO players like once a quarter or whatever. Do you think that could be feasible? <laughs> Yeah, but you're going to see a lot of people that are unhappy with it because as the, I think someone mentioned it on Twitter, like as the amount of 
players that gets put on, people are going to be taking money out of the whatever premium PB holds or IPD holds, anything. They're going to take money out of them, put them into these IPO players for either the quick gain or because it's someone they want. So when that happens, someone's saying, I suggest, like, surely they're going to increase dividends because mm. the value of those players is going to go down as it's going to be a larger pool of players to invest in so yeah i think when we were speaking about the dividend question whether or not they should increase them i was thinking it but i completely forgot to say it they could just hold it back for when they do make a big change to the platform whether that's order books or even though order books isn't like fundamental well actually i don't know i say fundamentally changing the value of your bet but depends on how they kind of do it it's a good idea i think i think it could be really interesting and i think it would acquire a lot of new users who like scouting quote unquote or you know finding those gems and then buying them so to speak i think it would be a big acquisition tool for fi if they were managed to pull something like that off yeah i I think if they were to do something like that then i think there definitely would have to be a limit as to how many shares that you could buy to save the rest of the market crashing really like if they're you know south american players in Boca reserves play and that people are instant selling Pogba to buy like you've got a real issue on your hand there well here's a thought what they could do is they could just set the spread at a quite large chunk I'm talking like you know 30-40% especially if it's some random youth player that hasn't touched a minute and might not ever play professional football FI could not even offer like a I think that's what we said on the SP's pod we we they might not even need to create like a even reasonable spread so maybe yeah. people won't buy into them and take money out of existing holds because uh, the risk is so high. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that is really good. I think because I mean you're not going to move your your money out of someone into him for the short term gain because he's going to be hardly any. So if you're buying him, you are buying him for the long run. Like you're buying him because you expect him to go up over mm. the long term or because you really like the player. So it makes more sense for them to have a larger spread because that's what you're buying him for, isn't it? You're buying him for the future potential to earn dividends. So yeah. I don't see why they shouldn't do that. Yeah, it could be a really interesting idea. I mentioned order books there. What about that as a topic? Are you guys concerned, excited? uh, I mean, with anything new, you've got to be concerned, aren't you? Because you never know how it's going to go. It could go well, it could go horrible. It has its benefits and its negatives. I haven't looked into order books too much. I've heard you mention them on a couple of pods, but... I mean, I seen. I think it was your episode one hundred. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, but you had the death smart person talking. <laughs> Sam, Sam. Sam, Sam, that's the one. Yeah, uh, and he was saying how like yeah, it can they're going to need it to attract these like bigger investors, people with larger sums of money, which yeah, will make sense. But a lot of FI, it's based around it being basic, very simple. You want the betters to come on and understand it. They don't want another layer of complexity on the product, so it might shy away other people but as long as they have a decent knowledge and understanding of what football in it is i don't see any reason why it should make it worse yeah i I think for the long term of the product they've obviously got to come in to create the liquidity in the market between the users but it's going to be a difficult transition because some of the there's a couple of people a couple of friends that work up and they just, they're so sort of blasé about the whole index thing. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to buy this player. And he goes up a couple of P and they get all excited. I, they don't really understand the performance matrix in any way, shape or form yet. But they sort of understand that if their player plays well, they've got a chance that they might log in in the morning and there's a, a few extra P in their account for the, the few shares that they've got at the moment. Do we, there's going to need to be a lot of information given out as to how these order books are going to work so that you're very casual and sort of blasé traders that just want a quick fix that are still interested in FI a bit 
you know, that they can understand. Um, it's going to be a huge task for FI to implement, I think. Um, I have heard Fig, I, I've heard you discuss him a lot. I listen to the ASP podcast. He's a clever guy, although I don't necessarily agree with what he did. But um, that's a different subject. But um, <laughs> it, he's a clever guy and he, he knows a hell of a lot more about it than what I do. But it's, you know, you have to appeal to sort of, casual traders who are, I, I sort of put myself into that category a bit really I'm, I'm no super trader by any stretch of the imagination i, I don't buy five thousand shares in a player like some people do <laughs> but um it's for me even though i've been on the platform for a couple of years it's quite daunting that you could sort of log in and see that people are buying your player for a lot less than what you thought they were worth but then i don't know maybe i'm, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> i don't i don't really know that much about it i don't think to, to sort of speculate on how much difference they'll make but fi are going to have to inform the the traders and put on no end of videos and yeah information for us to understand yeah like with anything isn't it the need to inform the users like a lot of the time as long as they're informing the customer base a lot of things are better like i think it was the other day that what was it they said like five minutes before it was about to happen they said the search function was going down or something oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like five minutes before it was about to happen like fair enough they still did it because if they didn't you can imagine the meltdown everyone would have had, like oh my oh, god yeah. the index is breaking like i'm taking my money out everyone on twitter it's just like oh okay <laughs> So it is important that they communicate really with everyone because that's all anyone wants to know. They want to know that they've got the money in the products that will communicate well and that they can trust really. Yeah, trust is huge. So that's going to be the big thing is maintaining the trust in the in the customer base. But when do you think the order books might come in, Fig? Like obviously you've discussed it a lot on your pod, so I don't necessarily always understand what's going on with it when you are <laughs> discussing it. But when? how soon do you think it will be? Like these have been spoken about for, well, years now really, haven't they? I can't see it being before the euros like i really can't um i would i don't know gun to my head end of 2020 beginning of 2021 but i think i saw something really interesting and this is quite like nerdy betting stuff um so if you know what betfair exchange is there's also a competitor called smarkets that basically like just another exchange where you can back and lay certain bets or certain odds they released a sports book recently so like a just a traditional uh fixed odds sports book or so i thought it was fixed bets uh fixed odds but actually what they did they basically just put a sports book on top of their exchange so it looks like a normal betting book but you're actually buying or you're um backing or you're laying if that makes sense you're just like betting on odds that are being created by the exchange and your cash out value is basically the highest buy order if that makes sense in the background so imagine just like a really complex like order book and then they've slapped on this really simple like ui product on top of it it's really actually smart and i didn't really think about this before but i think fi could actually take that same route where you have this like quite complex exchange but you also have this simple app and people can use whatever but they're in the background it's the same market which I think could be quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've got a couple more questions before I uh, go off on more nerdy conversation about order books. <laughs> but do check do check out uh, the Smarket Sportsbook if you guys. Obviously, the pod's not sponsored by them, but it was just quite interesting to see how they did it. And I think FI might take a similar route potentially in the future. Um, Ali G here, uh, who I think is going to come on the pod at some point in the future. Good lad. How long do you both tend to hold players for? And how many shares do you tend to hold in each player? As I said, I sort of spread my port out a bit, really, to try and focus on mainly 
forwards, although it has sort of segmented into midfielders as well now with their emergence on the PB matrix. Um, it depends why I've bought that player for. So I, I have a section of the port that is for premium holds. I have a section of the port that is for kind of youngsters. And then a large section of the port is for PB players and IPD players. Obviously, I've sort of touched on earlier that the IPD players, I will try to recycle as and where I can so many more games on this season with the uh, Euros included on there. Um, it just makes it so much easier to do. So those guys probably only, you know, the 30 to 40 to 50 days, depending on who the player is and where I see him going and, and what chance I've got of recycling the shares. Um, the premium holds I've had for about a year now, the likes, uh, some of the top end, although I did sell Pogba and I sold Neymar over the summer as well, just because uh, the dividends they were returning was only kind of, equal in the, the depreciation that their price was seeing. Um, they just didn't fit my risk appetite anymore. So I've moved that a bit further down the market. Um, in terms of numbers of shares, usually the IPDs I will try to buy a bit harder into. As I said earlier, I'm not a super trader. I don't buy 5,000 shares. I don't buy 10,000 shares in a player, I wish. Probably maybe three to 600, something like that is usually what I will be looking to go for. But I don't do a lot of willy waving on Twitter with percentages or numbers of shares or win play dividend returns. There's enough other people that do that. But yeah, normally somewhere around sort of two to six hundred, three to six hundred shares in a player, depending on the risk appetite, the price, the spread, um, their upcoming fixtures, um, you know, the competition for their place in the side, things like that are all things that I'll take into account. Um, so yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. It's really just based on each user's like the risk appetite. Mine personally at the minute, I've tended to hold majority of my players like sixty percent of my port for about one to two months and then how many shares in each player depends how much I've researched them, how much I like trust in the player, how much I like the player, I guess. Like I like the stats behind them and stuff. So it's just help holding a player that you think other people will buy into. If you think other people will, then go for it. I mean, just trust your gut. I tend to hold around any least amount about 200 and most 800. But as I've been on the index longer, the amount that I'm holding in one certain player is increasing. Like I'm starting to trust my gut more as I'm seeing more rises in certain players and be like, okay, I know I can buy more in this player now because I feel more more safe about it because I've done my research. Yeah, I think uh, it's important when you back yourself and you think you've really found value to, to go that bit harder or at least try and start doing that if you're a new user because sometimes the rewards you get from kind of researching hard and like trusting your instinct can be quite great. Yeah, uh, Go on, mate. Sorry, I thought, I thought you... No, I just, I was just say definitely. Like, <laughs> definitely. Just as we you've been backing like, yourself. I, I was like, I just noticed the... Like with Halland and Twanky Chan, I don't know if any are on him. Both of them and <laughs> both of them, I, I noticed the rise in Halland, and I was like, right, okay, who else is there? Who else is going to get these big rises? And I noticed Twanky Chan. There was a big up talk about him on Twitter. Bought six hundred of him, and he's just rocketed as well. So, oh yeah, <laughs> congratulations! Very happy today. <laughs> big smile on your face. We've got another couple of questions to get to before uh, Salzburg keep interrupting us. Uh, <laughs> the average trader here says, "What percentage of your port is long term holds, and what percentage is short term uh, speculative punts?" So I'd probably say um, I'm split about sort of sixty forty, sixty five, thirty five, somewhere around that sort of region on long term holds being around 60% just because I just don't have the time. Um, I, I've kind of diversified my port into a bit more, as I say, I've got sort of a lot of bases covered. So if 
you know, I'm at work and they drop a deposit bonus. The players who I expect to see some of that money coming in, generally speaking, are usually premium players or really strong performance buzz players. So that they're the one cut my sort of 60, 65% of my port. And then the other 30% is your youngsters, your non-PB league players, um, players coming back from injury, things like that that I sort of buy into as and when I have time to, to have a scout about and to find some value. Yeah, um, I'm like similar to you, but I have 60% in short term and then 40% in like your, your PB players, your youngsters, just anyone like that. And I always try and hold a little bit of a cash balance, mainly from the percentage from the short term IPD players, just in case I spot an opportunity or something or a trend maybe that I see forming, just anything like that. Cash balance, that is key as well. Yeah, like, it's huge having a cash balance. Um, it's the worst when you see someone like, and you have none and you're like, oh, what do can I deposit? Who do I sell? What do I do? Yeah. I do try and keep a very small amount available for a, a cash balance, but it's so hard, man. Yeah. It's really so tough. I, I tend to do it based on kind of like how much time I've got. If I've got a really busy week, I'll just try and keep reinvesting at dividends one or like players I'm selling, etc. Um if I've got more time on my hands, then I'll probably keep a bit of a cash balance because I might be able to stay alert to, you know, things happening. Yeah. There's yeah, if I know I've got a free Sunday and I'm gonna be watching some football, then Saturday night I'll make sure that I've sold off, you know, and freed up some money so it's ready to go for Sunday really. <laughs> it's so hard, man. <laughs> Way to do it. Way to do it. We've got another last question here from Mel. We can segment, or Football and DJ for you guys that don't know, uh, we can segment the market into premium holds, performance holds, and youngsters. If you could only put your money into one of these parts of the market for the whole season, which would you go for and why? Oof. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's ever changing, isn't it? Like when I first signed up, like the premium holds it was like pretty much at the share split the premium holds were booming because of the share split and then after it they boomed as well didn't they and then after now since then really they've just been on the decline some have been going up but a lot have been coming down and the dividends haven't been covering the cost when they've been coming down like i mean youngsters you see some of them like you know just your typical youngsters that are rising crazy amounts and it's hard because everyone, when I first joined, was saying the youth, it's just a bubble, it's going to end, the youth, it's just a bubble. Like A lot of the youth players that I've held have they've, they might not have been playing or anything, they've held the value, have hardly declined. So, I mean, it's, that is a really tough one. I mean, maybe it's, it's also hard holds. because some of those, you know, there's players that cut across all those categories, so it's really hard yeah. to segment them. And there's also more variables than just premium performance and youngsters. There's, you know... Um, media bars there's you know injury history there's the club they pay for i think there's too many variables to segment the market into just like three direct slices if that is if that makes sense yeah true but if if you have had to choose one like as you say gun to your head probably performance because it's easier to go with the trends of the market i guess with performance holds always going to be if if they're playing well most of the time they're going to rise so probably say performance I was uh, I had a good think about the question today, and if we're talking about for the whole season, then I came up with youngsters. I came to the conclusion of youngsters because I think if you pick the right youngsters at the right clubs, then you know it doesn't matter if they're playing or not. Some of these Chelsea boys now they've got the right manager, they're flown, mm-hmm. and some of them are nowhere near playing. Um, a few more of them have been on the bench recently but there's a lot of Chelsea youngsters that are on the index that are playing you know in the reserves team or the under 23 league as it is now and 
they're rocketing just because they they think Lampard is eventually going to give them a chance. I'm not so sure he can afford to give all of them a chance. Um, <laughs> afford to give the, his, the good ones a chance. Yeah, obviously we've seen what's happened with Mason Mount coming in and he's taken to the Premier League really well. Tammy Abraham um, as well, yeah. Tammy Abraham, yeah. And the, the defender, Tamori, is it? Yeah. He's not on the index. Somehow. Yeah, oh my how, God. But... It was so funny, wasn't it, when he started? I remember just everyone being like, Tamori starts, Tamori starts, Tamori starts. Everyone bracing for like a big rise. Yeah. He's not in the index. And then he scores that absolute <laughs> 35-yard banger. Boomer, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I sort of came to the conclusion if you buy the right youngsters, then youngsters. Um, you, a lot of the performance buzz players, we are still going to see rises, but I don't think they're going to be anywhere near as dramatic as what you'll see with some of the youngsters that are and will come through. Um, you know, like the we mentioned about when he comes on. I mean, where's that going to stop? I've got no idea. <laughs> I but... genuinely don't know what he's going to IPO at or what he'll sell at. I've like, I don't know. People will buy though, won't they? But yeah, it's there's um, the the guy at Rens. The, is it Rens? Uh, the sixteen-year-old. He's got yeah. player of the month. He's sixteen. He's got player of the month. There's a lot of. I think League One. I read somewhere. There's a guy I follow on Twitter, Zach Lowe. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Zach Lowe, yeah. Oh, he's a top guy. He's so knowledgeable on football. And um, I think he put something out about um, League One, or Ligue 1, as I should say, the French <laughs> Premier League, had the most teenagers starting recently. But I sort of take that with a pinch of salt because I consider League One to be the weakest of the top five PB leagues. Mm. Um, I mean, we continue, so... we continue to say that, but like everyone's trying to buy players from that league, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, they are. It's just we haven't seen too many of them move over to a stronger league and take the league by storm, have we? I don't know, maybe Mendy, there's a few at Man City, I suppose, Bernardo Silva, Mendy have done really well, um, and Domeli, I guess, have done. Fabinho. Tottenham, Fabinho. But in terms of their index price... Yeah, 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 yeah. The prices, the Man City guy's got a good rise over the summer, but haven't really, not too many of them haven't really justified that rise mm. in a beginning to tail off a bit now i think in terms of their price still great players yeah so i would i came to the conclusion that youngsters because there's just so many of them that are going to get given chances um and you're, you're going to hit if you do your research and buy them at the right clubs you're going to hit a few that are just going to take off totally like you know harland tonight he's 19 is he and 18 19 he's three quid and he ain't gonna be playing in a pb league well, for at least on a regular basis for at least three or four months. So you do your research and find the right guys. I came to the conclusion, youngsters. Yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote in the newsletter just on the Haaland point about um, kind of players that are going to be playing in these Euro qualifier leagues that might not be regular for their clubs. But in those 15 games that they play across a whole year for their nations, they might actually have more chance to win PB and IPDs than players that play 50 60 games for their clubs which is quite an interesting dynamic right you know people will be like oh i'm not buying that guy because he's only going to play 15 games this year for their national team and their club combined but in those games they might actually be able to yield better dividends returns and maybe accrue more hype because it's a young player or someone that's kind of on the fringes because they're playing in the europa league and they're playing you know euro qualifiers It's, it's quite an interesting dynamic sometimes playing too much can actually harm a player's price yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, we used to joke last season about the United kids getting on the bus. That was a twenty p <laughs> rise just for getting on the bus. They weren't nowhere near playing. Ollie weren't never going to play them, but 
they might play so <laughs> people are buying in and then off the you know, bus Monday morning well Saturday night you're looking at them and they're back down again 510p but they never go back down quite as much mm. as what they were before they got on the bus yeah so it's, it's you know, di- I think, discounting isn't it people I think, um, don't want to sell it at a loss so a, a new base creates created yeah if you do your research and buy the right ones there's there's a lot of potential there Mm-hmm. so uh pb players and, and youngsters that's uh two different opinions but i, I like them both uh gents i think i think that's all we've got time for today uh is there anything else that you want to talk about that you haven't covered already apart from bloody salzburg interrupting the podcast about three or four times <laughs> i got nothing to add no, I, th- I should think people are sick of the sound of my voice and the sight of timu pookie um i'd just like to say thanks for all the hard work that you put in for um you know all the content that you provide for the index community um and you've obviously inspired some of the other guys to also create content and i think it's brilliant that you put so much work in so many hours off your own back um you know to help people out and to make this what it has become and whilst fi have done a lot of hard work you guys deserve a lot of the credit as well for yeah getting the product to where it is today so um congratulations on the episode and thank you for the, the hard work you do appreciate yeah. it mate cheers I second that definitely like i don't think people appreciate enough the fact that you know newcomers are going to come on and rather than them just putting a tenor in and then leaving it and not liking it and getting that whatever it is five hundred thousand pound cash back whatever they're going to stay they're going to learn from your videos and they're going to put more money in because of it and then it's a win-win for everyone because you provide the good content yeah so, i really yeah, appreciate that you. guys really appreciate that guys uh yeah as he mentioned, I do make videos, so if you guys are sick of hearing my voice and want to see something more concise, educational about the index, head over to my YouTube channel, Football Index Guide. Uh, check that out there. Uh, if you guys are commuting right now, hope this speeds up your commute. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, uh, have a great day gardening or tending to your horses, whatever you guys are doing. <laughs> and yeah, sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Uh, it's funny, you know, tweet in a different way and you get way more questions. I thought, ah, oh, post it on a Monday and we're recording on the Tuesday, we might not get enough questions in, but just put your profile picture up Moz and there was a flurry of questions so uh, uh, that's that's all it was that's what did it um, Jens Moz where can people find out more about you on Twitter and stuff just on Twitter at MozFI you can even be bothered going and looking at a picture of a naked lady so it seems <laughs> uh, Alex uh, yeah just I mainly hang about on Twitter in the evenings and the weekends at AlexFI1982 and mainly just tweet football index norwich the odd wrestling in the odd office <laughs> nice. Quote, that's it really <laughs> was it to you that i said that i've never watched the office too on yeah, twitter oh, human. yeah sorry about that mate um <laughs> well yeah <laughs> i might go watch that now uh cheers you everyone. Got time, <laughs> thank you very much everyone <laughs> cheers for listening cheers